Live from the Hangtime Hangar, sit back, relax, and prepare to get down with the Hangtime Podcast. Andy, you got any tattoos? Uh, no, I don't. I don't. Um, I, I've been contemplating getting tattoos, but it's always one of those things that seems cooler in theory for me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Like, I, I've been wanting to do almost like a... And the more I think of it, the worse it sounds. But it would basically, like, my back would basically become a Pinterest board um, of, like, all of the things that I've kind of been into my whole life uh-huh. to kind of, like, tell a story. Uh-huh. Um, that way, when I never have kids, I can tell those kids that don't exist, like, oh, that's a Pokeball. Oh, that's a Rush. That They're a band from, like, old, you know, the 70s and 80s. Uh-huh. And that's a logo for blah blah blah. But the more I think of it, it's like, yeah, you're just making you're you're just a Pinterest board. You're just a you're just a Tumblr wall, you know. I had an idea for uh, I'm I'm gonna save my back piece for uh, a video game tattoo. But I've had this idea since like uh, since tenth grade. But it's Grove Street. Oh, it's the cul-de-sac. But all of my favorite video game characters are hanging out for a block party. Oh, that's really cool. That's cool. So you got so you like Captain Price is like up on the overpass with a sniper rifle, and then like Hollow Knight is like you know a kitty flipping the pool. burger. Oh, yeah, okay. you're like flipping the burger. Yeah, and you got like CJ, and then like Ash is like hiding in the bushes with Pikachu and stuff. But it's the whole cul-de-sac. I mean, but. Fuck the tattoo. That seems like a great idea for for hang time to have an art print to sell. Yeah. Like, if you were to put you all in this block party with all your favorite video game characters, and not even video game characters, like, throw John McClane in there. Throw all these yeah. action stars, and like everybody's at this block thing. party. Yeah. And sell it as, like, a, you know, like a more of a horizontal type print. I think that would do gangbusters. Like a, like a big poster. Man, I, I'm always concerned with um selling art as individual properties because like it's so weird because you'll go to like conventions and stuff and like people are you know there's like the vendor hall and it's like cool that's a print that somebody else did that you stole and now you're selling it for 30 bucks a pop at the convention so like i've never known how can you 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 got any insight onto that you mean like yeah like ip i think um unless you are a company like I don't know Google making a Disney type thing without Disney's consent, I think they'll come strike down the hammer on you. And by yeah. strike down the hammer, you'll get a cease and desist, and that's whatever. Like I've got, this- I've gotten cease and desist before from HBO for making like Game of Thrones fan art. Um, oh really? And they you, they just take it down the website, and that's whatever. You know the shitty sites like Redbubble and all that stuff. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think aside from that, like they won't know well mama don't know don't hurt her you know <laughs> yeah you ask for forgiveness and not permission exactly yeah that's an idea okay well i'll do it i'll hire an artist and we'll put it up on hangtime.gg slash shop and i'm already doing a read for the brand new spring lineup oh the, o- the only shirt that that could get you beat up in a starbucks <laughs> the woke garbage <laughs> tie-dye shirt coming soon i love for that. spring lineup i love that I pulled it from the comment section of a different YouTube channel. I love the font you, treatment. You like that? Yeah, that's very. It's very ATC nice. Dual. It's actually the exact same because um, Zach Silver, who did 
kind of funny is branding. Mm-hmm. He did our stuff. It's actually the exact same font on like the Dodge Ram. <laughs> oh shit! Of the hood. I never realized that. That's hilarious. But, That's awesome. But yeah, Chase did good. And then we found a vendor that like they basically make um, safety shirts for like construction crews and stuff. Mm. But their rate was like extremely good, so it makes it profitable for Chelsea to run our merchandise and stuff. So we're giving this a shot. Oh, so was this? Is this like a specialty place that does tie dye stuff? Or is well, it just a, a general t- kind of... I don't know why they had a tie-dye shirt, but most of the company is like... It's for like road crews for like uh, bright neon shirts and stuff. But, you know, bright neon shirts are kind of like our thing. Yeah. So I like the idea of like, yeah, we do construction stuff, but my dream's always been to make <laughs> merchandise for internet groups. So, yes, we have a tie-dye offering. <laughs> it's like, Dad, I don't want to be like you. I don't want to work in merchandise for, for construction. I want to do my own thing, Dad. You know, there's a rogue kid that just works there, yeah. and he's, like, hoping for the best for this one opportunity. Um, but uh, anyways, so if you were to get, like, a single video game tattoo, it would be a Pinterest of everything that you like video game and pop culture-wise? I would, I would think so. I just, don't, I just don't think I can necessarily commit. Like, I have massive commitment issues, and I, for some reason, think that there's going to be... Uh, a big issue in the future with this tattoo and maybe I get identified in a crime and I just create like the craziest scenarios in my head. Um, but it would be like very minimal, very, um, I mean, the more that I explain it, it just sounds like a fucking, like an iPhone wallpaper where it, like it, it would almost look like icons, um, uh-huh. very minimal. <laughs> like I, I want them all to match. I want them to kind of have the same style guidelines. Yeah. Um, maybe it is just mono monotone. Maybe it isn't like the actual red and white Pokeball. What if it's just the outline with that? And then the Triforce and then um, Dallas Cowboy star and then the San Antonio uh-huh. Spurs spur, you know, like just kind of like very minimal uh, looking things like that. But the more I think of it, it would just look like I you could scroll <laughs> on my back and get to the weather. Uh, widget you know get a skin graft that's like a flap (laughs) (laughs) go down and see the all laughs area (laughs) just get some skin grafts and flip it like a calendar so you get multiple pages scroll down and it's a text from my dad like hey can you can i call you like oh god damn it let me swipe that away it's the grossest shit i've ever heard in my life um you said it but yeah i know uh but i have you on uh you are like you're probably the most talented person I know. Um, yeah. Okay. So I remember whenever uh, you got to when you got to kind of funny, I was like, Ah, God, that's gonna be a steal for them. Um, because <laughs> because you were working at Rooster Teeth under the merch department, right? No, I wasn't. I was in their game dev team. Oh, okay, okay. Because I thought you were in their merch department because you you do like designed so well right i was um i was mostly doing merch for kind of funny as a side thing while i was working at gotcha um but i had been doing merch stuff for kind of funny since before i even went to rooster teeth as just i'm a fan in the community i don't see i see rooster teeth has a lot of fans making fan art i don't see a whole lot of people in the kf community doing that what if mm-hmm. I can be that person? So I just kind of like took advantage of of what I know with Photoshop and stuff like that. And so I was doing a lot of merch things for, on the kind of funny side, but I was still uh, working at my first game studio. And then I eventually 
left that studio to go work for Rooster Teeth's game dev team. Yeah. So you 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 were hired as you're kind of like Jeremy Dooley, or like you were hired on because you got your start just in the community, just hanging. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, they like the, Kevin will always tell me. Kevin Coelho will always tell me like the day that I told him that I got hired at Rooster Teeth that he and Tim were like, fuck, like, damn it. We were going to get him, you know? And Uh that's like the feeling that they had because, um, they're like, damn, Rooster Teeth is big and he's probably just going to stay there. And it's close to home and it's Austin, Texas. And it's a five hour drive from his hometown in the Rio Grande Valley. So that's like all the kind of advantages and benefits are on the RT side of things. Um, but I was always a fan of kind of funny, like it, when I was in college and um, watching, you know, podcasts beyond on IGN and all that shit. Yeah. Um, but I was always of the mind that like, I don't, I don't really listen to the kind of funny podcast. Cause like, I don't, I don't want my video game people talking about whatever. Like I'm here to yeah. listen to you talk about video game news. And I don't think I necessarily knew that I wanted a general whatever podcast until I started listening to like. My brother, my brother, and me from the McElroy brothers, mm-hmm. and I was like, I'm so used to them talking games, but I'm still having a lot of fun talking or hearing them talk about whatever the hell it is they want to talk about, and that's where I kind of like, you know, started watching kind of funny content, um, yeah, along with all the other Rooster Teeth products, yeah. Yeah, I gotcha. Uh, it's kind of like Snowbike Mike. Like if if you if you guys hadn't scooped Snowbike Mike, and I would have if I would have known about Snowbike Mike before you guys like he would he would be in dallas right now working yeah working with us dude yeah that that was always a um that was like always a goal to to hire him like especially from the early days of just uh the skype calls that we would do um and i I met him at kind of funny live too which was damn i'm blanking on the year was that 20 i think it was like 2017 maybe 2016 and uh-huh. I was still, I was at Rooster Teeth at that point, and I had w- gone to Kind of Funny Live too, to go help with the merch team, because it was like, they needed help, I'm on the game dev team, but everybody was like, uh, I remember the merch team being like, well, aren't you're like friends with them, do you want to come like help sell merch, and we'll just like pay for your flight and hotel? Like, fuck yeah, dude. Uh-huh. Uh, so I was so happy, I went on there, like, I went out there on a professional uh, sort of uh, budget, so I didn't have to spend any of my own money, and that was awesome. Oh, I love that. And that's where I was. That's where I met Snowbike Mike, and um, I think the thing that was super important for us to understand about Mike was that, like, um, until I really started gaming with him, I didn't know that he was funny in a uh, in a purposeful way. I yeah. thought we were laughing at just how crazy the character Snowbike Mike is. Mm-hmm. And man, he's funny, but like, does he understand that he's funny? And it wasn't yeah. until kind of getting the hang of that. And I, I think that's so massive because like, um, I talk about this, like when it comes to f- people in the community making things, it's, it, it has to be very of my own taste for me to go like, wow, that's an actually really funny thing. Mm-hmm. And I can kind of get a little cringy whenever somebody tries to make something that isn't necessarily my humor. Um, it's the reason why, like, when we were making our party mode show, I always wanted to edit it. I didn't want anybody to edit it because I know what I think is funny and I know my comedic, like, sensibilities. Mm-hmm. 
And if somebody else were to do that, I'd be like, uh, I wouldn't have gone with that. I would have changed that. I'm like very controlling of my shit. And, cri and critical as well. Yeah, but it was just yeah. great to find out that like, oh, Mike is like purposefully funny as well. It's not just like this crazy character that you tell your friends about. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think whenever, you know, whenever we met him in person, it's like we spent a lot of time with him on camera, obviously, like when we went to Tahoe for the road trip. But like he is smart and he is witty. He's not just it's it, it's is he wacky or is he comedic yeah you know it's like a huge difference and he's both and that's yeah and he's and what's important for me especially like whenever i'm like looking for for people and like we're, we're not going to be hiring for a very long time but um whenever i was like looking for a new host even like when uh like before wes and then to replace wes it was like who has presence yeah. you know mm -hmm. who's in who's in the fucking room all the time because that's what you want whenever you're live streaming right and like mike mike wasn't just in the room he filled mm -hmm. the room and yeah that's really awesome Seems but like he's been doing it his whole life yeah exactly yeah but enough about mike he sucks um mm -hmm. so uh i've been you know watching from the sidelines like i everything you do is like really cool like kind of funny live when you like played the anthem on the guitar and stuff and you're designing merch and you're Twitch streaming and your Twitch streams is like just growing like absolute balls out crazy, which is awesome. Right. Um, but you like everything you touch, like you're like really good at it. Oh, thanks, at, at least from the outside. Um, so like where does, where does your talent and your creativeness come from? Um, I, I think growing up, I just always kind of wanted to, I always wanted to like animate as a kid. And so I was always kind of making my own cartoons and like flip books and shit like that. Oh, do you have any? No, like I, I if I do, <laughs> they are somewhere in an attic at my parents' house. Yeah. Um, but I was always making like, I don't know, I would watch like the making of this movie with and i was like really big on those um on hbo when they had like here's the making of titanic or the making of mm -hmm. and i just got really into like the visual arts and shit like that and also just seeing whenever animators are showing how they animate and they'd like be flipping the pages and be like man that's yeah. so fucking cool and so from an early age i was really into drawing i was really into art and that's where i kind of found my outlet where i was like creating characters and making video games but like not not designing them just kind of like this is what the character would be and this is the world and i would draw the overworld map and i just found a lot of my creative outlet through video games that was mm -hmm. kind of like what the catalyst of it all and i was animating stuff and wanting to be a cartoonist and i was always kind of me and my group of friends were always like the funny group of friends uh in mm -hmm. school that we've um i think we I think we were just kind of liked by a lot of people because we weren't pissing anybody off. <laughs> like, we yeah. didn't have beef with anybody. Everybody was just like, oh, those guys are cool. So, like, um, we found our comedic outlet there as well, and I feel like we were always making each other laugh. But um, I just found a way to kind of, like, combine it all, I think, in college. Um, and I knew that I wanted to do something with it and find a way to um, to utilize, like, how can I make people laugh but also show that i can do art and things of that nature and um and then i kind of gave up on all the art stuff because i wanted to 
do music and I, uh, my brother had this acoustic guitar that he like just never played. Mm -hmm. And so I picked it up and I was into like, at the time I just started listening to like some 41 and green day and blink 182. And I learned how to play damn it on my guitar by blink 182. And suddenly like music kind of became the focus and I kind of lost all the passion for art and animating and creating characters. And suddenly it was like, I'm going to be a musician and I'm going to do this and this is going to be my life. And um, I was learning how to play songs. And then there's this program that my friend had showed me called Tabit. And it is like the most archaic. I still have Tabit on this computer. Uh -huh. I still utilize it. And it's like this old shitty little MIDI program that you just input your own notes and you could go to the tablature area and download uh, here's how to play this song by fucking whatever band. I and think it, my I think my friend who was like a like a metal metal guitarist, like crazy like, like a talent show, he plays like a fifteen minute solo and like <laughs> we pretend it's like we're really like, cool, you could have stopped two minutes ago, you would have won. <laughs> could have been four shut minutes. That, <laughs> yeah, just shut the hell up. Um, but he had the same thing. It was like he had put in his own tabs or he'd learned tabs from, and this was like 2006, 2007. Yeah, I'd say like it's like, like 04 or 05 for me, yeah. Yeah, it sounded kind of like if um, it, it, you took like St. Anger and then put it on the Sega Genesis. Yeah. That's how the system would play it back. Absolutely. Yeah. That's yeah. exactly how it is. And a lot of them were just like fan submitted things. And um, I would learn how to play music there. But then I was like, I started writing music. And then I was just like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to be a musician. And um, I started a band uh, and I quit that band. And then I joined another band and blah, blah, blah. And eventually I got to a point where it started getting pretty serious uh, where me and my friends were like we were flown out to Hoboken, New Jersey to go record an album and I was like this is going to be my life, you know, and uh -huh. we recorded the album and um the dude who owned that record or the dude who owned that um studio like Taking Back Sunday had recorded there and Dave Matthews band had recorded there and suddenly we're getting connections and I was like whoa, like I'm going to be a musician. This is crazy. And then it just like it led to nowhere. I'm I'm sure we are one of a billion different cases of like, wow, this single is going to take you places, y'all. And then uh -huh. like nothing happens. And we kind of eventually broke up. And um, and that's when I moved to Austin. I was like, I'm gonna, I am I want to get back into art. Mm -hmm. And um, I just didn't know what to do, though. I knew that like Austin Community College had a program where you could learn how to animate or maybe get into some beginner game design things. And I wasn't sure what I wanted to do, um, but once I got into Austin Community College, I started like 2D animating and then putting my voiceover into stuff and making little stupid comedic shorts. Um, and then it all changed when one teacher was like, at the end of class, was like, hey, can you stay after class? And I was like, yeah, sure. And she was like, you need to go to a university. You need to go to like an art school. Um, oh, that's to, awesome. You need to not be here. Like, go to, like, an actual place where you can further this. Uh, and that was, How like, validating was that? Oh, like... my gosh, dude. Like, that changed my life. That, like, mm -hmm. immediately, like, I left feeling, like, the most accomplished I'd ever felt and calling my parents and being like, 
I'm going to look to go to an art school and it's going to be a lot more expensive, but yeah, I, it just feels like it's what I need to do. Um, and yeah, dude, that was like a massive moment in my life. So yeah, I went to the art Institute after that and, uh, spent probably like nine times what I paid at ACC. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I learned a lot and I found my voice there, dude. And I was 2d animating more and, um, trying to like, I basically, I, w- I looked up to Seth MacFarlane. Like I, I was yeah. so into family guy and American dad at the time and, and shows like, you know, Rick and Morty had started at that point as well. And I was like, man, I could do this. I could like be funny and, and animate things. Um, and then I took my first 3d class and I was like, Oh, I'm a 3d sculptor. I'm a, I'm a character artist now. This is what I do. And that's you where you fell in love with that. Like, yeah. That like why, like what, what was it about it? Um, well, I've just always loved, I've always loved video games and I knew that how does it's, one even become a 2d artist? Like I, it's not like I can, I feel like becoming a 2d animator is very akin to breaking out with a music single on the internet. Like it's kind of, yeah. it's very happenstance. You might just, you might become an Aaron Hansen ego Raptor from game grumps and have like a breakout hit animation on YouTube that people start to mm-hmm. recognize you for, but it, that feels very much like getting discovered in Hollywood to be an actor, you know? Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you look at, like, sites like... Um, E-Bombs know, even, and... Yeah, Newgrounds yeah. and uh, stuff like that. It's like, I'll see animation sometimes, and I'm like, why is this person not the most famous person in the world, right? Mm-hmm. And same thing with, like, you're seeing, like, your, you know, the New Jersey recording. It's like, people might tell you or a producer might be like, Hey, this is incredible. It's going to be number one. But like, if it doesn't resonate, it just doesn't resonate. If yeah. the right people don't see it, then the right people don't exactly. see it. But it's, it's interesting to think that like, once you found 3d sculpting, cause it sounds like when you were a kid, you were basically making um, like pitch buckets for video game worlds. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And I was just so obsessed with the making of a product. Um, Again, I told you that I'd watch like all these making of documentaries with my dad and like how uh, how the people made Star Wars and how CG yeah. looked and like I'll never forget when I when you had that little shitty graduation ceremony from elementary to middle school. Mm-hmm. Like everybody wanted to be a cop or a baseball player, an FBI agent or a fucking astronaut. And I word for word I was like I want to be a visual effects artist. and yeah and that's what i fucking did and it's it's wild that it all kind of came back around and it was like i always loved video games and i still loved video games up until that point in art school but i'd always be like man how do they like i'm working with a basic block here and i'm like pulling out vertices and making edge faces how the fuck does this turn into nathan drake or master chief like that Mm -hmm. I can't fathom that process. That makes no sense to me how these primitive shapes become that. And then it wasn't until I took the the class for ZBrush um, where it's digital sculpting and you are not using primitive shapes anymore. You, are, you have a ball of wax that you are pulling edges out of and carving into and that's how you make a face and that's how you make a hand and this and... I was like, oh shit, like I I found the thing and I was like really good at it. And immediately like my teacher was like, hey, when do you graduate? I want to get a beer with you. I just can't get a beer with you if you're still in school. So let me know when you graduate. <laughs> I want to talk to you about your career sort of thing. And um, that teacher, I'm still friends with to this day. And he's the one who 
recommended me to take his old job, like where he was leaving to certain affinity to go work on like Halo DLC. And he was like, hey, uh -huh. I'm leaving the studio I'm at right now. Do you want to come replace me? I'm recommending you to take my spot to the other co-workers there. Fuck yeah, okay. Out of college, like hell yeah. yeah. I don't have to really search around a whole lot for for jobs. Yeah. I know that's always the biggest concern is like how long is it gonna take to get into somewhere after I graduate, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. That's wild. So like what um whenever you what are is there like a certain type of character that you like to create the most? A space marine or a power armor or yeah. um so like when I was in college, I was like, I think my part of my portfolio was um, I made like an Iron Man bust because um, uh -huh. like you make a bust and it's just easier. You don't have to make a full body and yeah. you can kind of get uh, it lets people get a grasp on what sort of talent level you have without having to look at them, make a whole body. You know, uh, if you can make pretty convincing like hard surface armor with like soft edges and the normal maps look all good and your texture work is great um like I, if you're like if your shell is if you're making a bus that's catching reflections and textures and shadows fine they know that you could do the rest of the body exactly. if you just had more time yeah yeah it was that it was mainly that iron man piece that kind of like showed a lot of people when we had like our portfolio reviews people were like oh this just looks like any artist that I work with right now, like this, this is really, really good. Yeah. And this should be like your showcase piece. I did an Iron Man bus. I did a, a like a full body sculpt of a, of a more modernized doll seam from Street Fighter. Um, and I like worked on the little skull necklace and I tried to make Oh, it. that must have been so fun. Like, because really he's got cool. so many little character details. Like, you know, like you'd even have to do like paint texture on top of his skin and stuff. Oh, yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, making yeah, trying to like make a more realistic version of it with like the rope around his shorts that he uses and uh all the um the bracelets that he wears and everything like that. So, it was like some of the most fun creative stuff that I was be that I was able to do cuz it was I wasn't, you know, on my first games industry job, it was like, all right, make a door, make a shield, mm -hmm. make a sword and like still really awesome and better than working at Best Buy for six years, <laughs> but yeah. like really but, uh, but creatively fulfilling, you know? Yeah. But kind of at the same time, it's kind of bumping you down to like an entry level modeler, right? Yeah. Less than what you're capable of, but still an in. Yeah. Oh, that was regardless. Uh, I also yeah. found a lot of, uh, a lot of fun um, sort of taking 2d concept art and turning that into 3d which mm -hmm. is kind of the pipeline you have anyway when you get into 3D work and you work at a studio where you get the art from the concept artist and you're like, all right, make this into 3D now. And so I had a World of Warcraft, like the Art of WoW um, book. And yeah. I took a couple of landscapes where it's like, here's what somebody drew as like an environment. And I turned that into 3D. And it was mm -hmm. like, I, I think that's one of the easiest ways if you are talented enough to show that Hey, I can work in this industry with like, let me recreate this in 3D, you know. Um, and it was like some deserty area with like purple crystal type uh, shit that you would probably walk in in WoW at one point. Um, yeah. And yeah, like so, I kind of just made this portfolio and got hired at my first job, and that was with Richard Garriott, uh, creator of Ultima, 
and that was like you know like <laughs> yeah, fuck this it. guy's the creator of ultima <laughs> you know yeah uh like industry legend type dude um and it was awesome man like i i i had this moment of realization where i was and our morning meeting stand-up thing and uh I was no longer working at Best Buy and I had quit and uh-huh. I'm standing there and I'm like, uh, today I'm working on the shield of blah, blah, blah. And I'm working on the, the, I don't know, this environmental thing, whatever piece of medieval game that we were doing. Um, I was like, damn, this is my job. Like, yeah, I'm in video games now. I'd fucking did it, you know? And I mm-hmm. was very late to, I was like a, the old dude in school, you know, like I, yeah. I, I had taken a year off because of the music stuff. I was very wishy-washy about what I wanted to do. So I was the guy graduating at age 26 and yeah. I'm like, I fucking did it. I finally did it, you know? Yeah. The, um, so you, so you, were you working at Best Buy whenever you got the job uh, kind of taking over for your old professor? Yeah, was yeah, that the, I, was that the I was working at Best Buy when I first moved to Austin, um, which I was around nineteen, and um, I had taken a job at an AT and T call center, and it was paying really well. Uh huh. But I didn't even make it through training. Like me and my friend were like, "This is not. I don't want to sit at a desk taking calls for eleven hours a day." You know. Yeah. Uh, so I got hired at Best Buy, and that kind of like became. I was working full time and then I was going to school full time and that was like a pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, I was just so exhausted most of the time. Uh, and when we talk about class, like at the art Institute, you would go by quarters. So like you would take, I think 11 classes, but each class was like four hours. Um, okay. Okay. So it's a, rather than it's going to take you, uh, you know, a semester to learn this curriculum. It's like, this is a functionality course. Mm-hmm. Like these are the tools. Here's how to use it. I mean, they're not going to, it's more about functionality and um, application than here's how to be creative. Yeah. Yeah. thousand percent. You were kind yeah. of like immediately thrown into the lion's den. Like it was like, yeah. this is a four hour class, which means there's only 11 of them, which means that you probably shouldn't miss one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah and that was like even tougher be just because of how tired i was and i was always getting sick and i was just super unhealthy and um and and then at that point my i was doing that for about four years and for the last year ish my aunt was like hey do you want to live with us and like pay less rent yeah and we'll like we'll rent out our room for you for like a quarter of what you're paying in rent right now which mm-hmm. means that you won't have to work full time and I was yeah. like, dude, that is, I am forever, forever grateful for that because they, they allowed me in like my final year and a half of school to focus a lot more and not be, I'm working at Best Buy from eight to five and going to school from six to 10. Like that was a fucking yeah. nightmare. I, I think about that all the time, what it was like, cause I, you know, I was, I've been working since I was 16. Right. So it was like, uh, how the hell was I getting up at seven in the morning, going to class until one thirty-two, um, going going home, and then working at all Olive Garden from you know three thirty-four up till midnight, then playing video games, yeah, <laughs> and, and freaking beasting until like 
4 a.m. sleeping an hour and then doing it like on loop. Um, I don't know how I had the the threshold for that. Like I don't know yeah. how I, because before I even left to Austin, I worked at a. I was doing the same thing. I was going to the local community college back home. Mm-hmm. I was working at a car dealership as like customer service, and yeah. then I had to also find time to yeah play video games with friends and hang out and um having those stupid moments of like hey dude just call in tomorrow dude like all right i'll yeah, fucking call in, in. <laughs> <I'll> call in. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the cowboys play tomorrow at noon yeah i'll call in fuck yeah, <laughs> yeah. so i love talking about like the moment when it's like when because obviously we we're like so fucking lucky uh to be able to work where we are for a living um and uh do, can you tell me uh, just a little bit more insight? Because I love living it with people where it's like, yo, Best Buy's done. Like, do you have a, do you, I'm not asking, like, did you go poop on the desks or anything? But was it, what, to tell me a little bit more about the transition from whenever you got to quit and yeah. go in. Well, the thing was, like, I, I was like I I'd say a good employee. Like I wasn't mm-hmm. like a dickhead to anybody, and it, it's not like while I was there I was a a, uh, a miserable asshole. Yeah, like yeah. I very much loved the people that I worked with. Um, I became friends with a lot of them, and yeah, the day I quit was like kind of sad because this is like a big chunk of my life. Yeah, and I was also worried about quitting because I was worried about the prospect of having to go back. And oh, always, and just I, dreading the that day if that if that inevitable day happened that, hey, you got laid off from the game dev job because mind you, while I was in college, I took an internship at Sony Online mm-hmm. Entertainment, who were making the DC EU DC UO game, DC Universe Online. I had, um, I had, what's the word I just thought of? Uh, the word I just said. I was in school. I was doing the work thing at the same time I was in school. What's the fucking word? Yeah. Um, interning? I was interning. There you go. I just said yeah. it. How did I fucking forget it? <laughs> I was just interning there. And in like my third day of interning, they had mass layoffs. Oh, yeah. And so I'm there at my desk. I don't know anybody still. It's like my third day interning mm-hmm. of, of like a three-week internship. And suddenly fucking 30 people are being let go and i'm just like this shit just happens here yeah it was a nightmare it's as easy as that man and and that's and that kind of immediately instilled this fear of the the sort of unstable life of a game developer and Mm. and that fear stayed there for a lot of my time in game dev um but yeah that moment of leaving best buy was like all right i'm quitting uh that's it for me i still have dreams of best buy to this day like that i had to go back and work those sort of like nightmare uh dreams and then it didn't really hit me until my first black friday off and the first weekend that i got to be with my family on thanksgiving Mm -hmm. where every other year my family would drive up to austin for thanksgiving and we have a lot of uncles and aunts there as well Mm -hmm. so we would have thanksgiving at my aunt's house and I'd eat lunch with them, and then I would leave to work like at 3 p.m. Because we were going to do something that Thanksgiving night to prep for Black Friday. And it wasn't until the first weekend where I didn't have to do any of that that I was like, oh, man, I don't work in retail anymore. This is huge for me. And it was such a relief. Like, 
being able to be yeah. with my family and not have to worry about <laughs> going to work at 11 p.m. and leaving at 11 a.m. <laughs> because Black yeah. Friday, you have to work that 13, 14 hour shift or whatever. It was such a great feeling knowing that I didn't have to do that anymore. Yeah, it's a, it's the same guy. Like I, I, I have server nightmares like all the time. I served for eight years, and uh, that was like, while my server job wasn't that bad at all. I, I, I worked at like a steakhouse across the street from like Cowboy Stadium and stuff. Mm -hmm. Like the last couple of years, so it was cool. There's baseball games happening all the time and stuff. So, but uh, what's the usual server nightmare dream? Like, run me through it. It is, um, it is, I need, it is taking a single item that somebody wanted after delivering their food. It's getting them, um, oh, I need an extra side of ranch or it's a tea refill. And no matter what, um, I can't, I can't get it back to them. There's something always stopping me. It's like, it's absolutely terrifying. But is it uh, like, is it you are back serving even though you are still working for a hang time. Yeah, so I've had dreams where um like the I'm I'm working two jobs um yeah. and it's and it's uh if I lose this job hang time will fail or mm -hmm. game attack would have failed in the back uh back then. But it's always something very simple. Like I'll go somebody needs a tea refill and I know that subconsciously they're getting really angry with me. <laughs> And um, we're out of tea. I got to redo another batch. Somebody knocked it over. There's no ice. I got to go cut lemons. I have to run food for somebody else. Um, or I forgot about the tea. I also have a recurring uh, university dream where um, I've skipped an entire semester of chem. And I'm going into the final. That that is uh that is beat for beat like the same school dream I have, yeah. Where I I'm at art school, but I'm taking like college algebra or some shit, mm -hmm. um or whatever class, and I realize that damn I missed nine of these eleven classes. I went the first mm -hmm. day, and I haven't been back since, and I just kind of forgot, and I have a. I had today's the final like today's the, the last thing and it's like the the amount of uh of tension I think that maybe I have in life that's causing that dream to happen yeah. the amount of anxiety I have in life that's causing that dream to happen it's that it's also yeah I'm back at Best Buy and shit I gotta learn my the, this system again what was my login Oh, and I'm mm -hmm. still working with some coworkers, which is great. I recognize their faces and they remember me, but there's a lot of new people I don't know. And how long it's am like I going to be here for? <laughs> and it's almost like um, you're retraining again, but everyone around you and the customers expect you to be the old person yeah. who knew everything. Yeah. And you're put under the same duress uh, like you didn't go read through the training again. It's like this dispreparation. But I, I've i had less server nightmares Um and less caught but every time i wake up from them it takes me it takes me a solid hour to to be like the university dream more than the other one it takes me like an hour to like get over the anxiety and like fully realize that hey like you didn't even take anything above base bio like you don't <laughs> you were an english major like you never even took 
a chemistry 1302 <laughs> and then it just kind of like goes away i do notice that, like I, near the end of the dream into me waking up even like the andy in the dream at the end of it will be like oh but this isn't real anyway so it's all it's all good like i i should be okay because this what i'm experiencing is not real and then i wake up and go oh thank fucking christ thank god uh-huh. i don't have to do that quiz or whatever and I'm it, it's yeah it's always the man you missed all year and you forgot you even had this class dude yeah how are you yeah. gonna convince this teacher to be cool with this like yeah you can't it's, <laughs> I actually I was telling Chelsea about this but I actually my first semester at JUCO I had a like a television course where you'd watch the VHS tapes I didn't do a single assignment and I completely forgot that I didn't even enrolled in the class <laughs> right and so I had, to, I think that was the, the only I I ever took, because um, I think they give you like two of them in your entire collegiate career. Mm. It's like a mulligan on the class. Yeah. It's like, thanks, you just paid us thousands. You yeah. can just not even pretend it happened. Uh, I think it's weird that I've never had a, um, oh, I missed this NZXT email, or oh, I didn't prep for this sponsored stream, or like, oh, I missed my flight to Guardian Con. I've never had a a content creators like biz dev like i think the only break, one breakdown dream i think the only ones i've had are um you're doing a big bit for the next kind of funny live and you never rehearsed it because uh-huh. uh, it's always that and it's also like when i was in school i i was in theater and um you didn't re- you didn't memorize any of your lines dude like the yeah. shows today and you had the last two weeks to read your lines and now you're kind of just going into this without having memorized them. So it's that dream quite a bit. And it's also like, yeah, you had a big bit that you were going to do for this live show and you don't, you had never rehearsed this. So how are you going to pull it off? I, yeah. Those are the only ones, but for the most part, it is the I'm back in school and you're absolutely just fucked right now. Has the fear of, um, I don't know if it's an issue for you, uh, but has the fear of I'll just like say complete, yes. <laughs> complete, yeah, complete creator, um, like dissolvement, like has that subsided in you yet? Like, I like I still keep my bolo tie from the steakhouse. I keep that, <laughs> like I never got rid of it. But like I am terrified of um. Not as much as I used to be, but like, I I am terrified of like, what if one day we go live and the audience is just like, I we just decided we're never gonna watch you again. <laughs> no, no, like, that yeah, that that feeling is always there. Like I yeah, um, and a lot of that is just completely irrational thoughts. But of course, for the most part, it's you know, I might be driving down the street in an Uber and I see a homeless person, and I go. Fuck! What if I? What if kind of funny goes under and I just become homeless yeah. one day? And it's like the most <laughs> irrational thing ever. But I yeah. just my logically, I think it makes sense, and I jump there um, without any real reason. But yeah, for sure. Um, I I always think of what the fallback is going to be. When I was when when I got my first game dev job, and I um we were going to have layoffs and like we knew mm-hmm. that there were going to be layoffs, but my bosses were like, Hey, we're making sure nothing happens to you, but I was mm-hmm. still worried. And I figured this won't be the last time this happens. So I was already talking to my friends about like, 
Yeah, I might just go back home and get like a, a teacher's degree. I might like, you know, uh, try to become a teacher because like I don't think this is going to be stable at all. Like the yeah. the fact that I knew so many people there in game dev who at my first job that had been in the industry for five plus years and they knew to save money so that they could use that money for the next move when they get laid off interesting um, yeah like yeah well, uh, yeah i save up all the time because when i get laid off here i'm going to move to washington for the next job or move to california for the next job and like that just seems like such a nightmare way to live and i i was always terrified of the prospect of that um of just yeah. having to pick like i i'd never even wanted to unpack my shit at my apartment because i'm like what if i just get laid off and now i got to move to wherever for the next job so like also it makes it real yeah it, it makes it real because it's like you don't want to get comfortable, especially in like a, a cultured environment like that. It sounds very strange. Yeah, um, it it, could... it feels very uh, like you don't have a place to call home, and that yeah. that always kind of scared me because I feel like every place that I had worked prior, uh, we became very familial with each other, and mm. um, you kind of grow these friendships, and the idea of just like all right, packing up and leaving, like later, everybody. I was made a bit less worried about it because like I don't I don't have a wife or a girlfriend and I don't have a family and I can't imagine how stressful that must be if you do have a family and like all right yeah. well dad's got to go work for wherever in Sacramento now later uh let's go if pack up moving our your bags. kids out of school yeah like, like all that stuff I, that's got to be crazy I think that like I, I was made more comfortable with the fact that I wouldn't have to do that that it would just be me but still, mm -hmm. the idea of it was just like terrifying and having to pack yeah. up everything and leave was just always in the back of my mind. Um, and even now, like one YouTube comment will just drive me down a rabbit hole of what if, what if, what if, you know, like. Oh, yeah, it sucks. Uh, like, I'm the same way. It sucks for I feel like really bad, though, because like I, I expect, we haven't even relaunched our YouTube channel yet because we're waiting for the hangar, right? Like, I even got a YouTube comment yesterday, and it was, like, from a guy who used to watch all the time, used to donate all the time, like, used to be in the community and, like, really supportive. And then it's, like, you know, it's a YouTube definitely fickle about um, me. And, and it's, like, hey, he ruined everything. It's, like, that's completely irrational. And, and like, Twitch viewership is the highest it's ever been, like, since Game Attack ever. And, like, we're growing new YouTube channels and, and we're, like, rock solid. But it's, like, since it's me now, even though we're pretty much doing exactly what you used to do, it's different. And then I just, I'm just, like, cool. Am I ruining everything? What's doubt. happening? Yeah. Yeah. But, it's just, like. But a lot of that obviously isn't rational. It's just, it's just brain chemistry fucking with yourself. And, and that's why, like, I started to seek. Uh, help for for my mental issues you know and like yeah. not not just the adhd that i've dealt with every day of my life but a lot of the anxiety stuff of like there's no re there's no reason for me to be jumping to this conclusion like this isn't a yeah. normal thing to do i should seek something to help out <laughs> because yeah. like it's not normal to lay in bed at night wondering about the most catastrophic possibilities like, just go to fucking sleep, dude. You're not sleeping because you're thinking about what if it all comes crashing down, and you're thinking that every goddamn night, you know? Yeah. 
I got um I don't have a read form or anything, but I used uh BetterHelp. It's like an app uh for therapy where they like they hook you up with a therapist and you do like vid conferencing and I did I did a couple of weeks of it to kind of combat my like super bad unhealthy anxiety. Yeah. And uh I remember my therapist go she was like um she was like, Why are you worried all the time? And I was like, Well, I employ people now and like I'm scared something's gonna happen and like they're you know they won't get to to make money anymore and they'll have to find jobs and she just goes well are they stupid <laughs> i was like no they're 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 pretty damn smart and she goes and, and shut the fuck up like yeah like it's gonna they'll, they'll find something else that helped me a lot just to have like a third party just you know you know somebody that's not even though i love chelsea and i believe her She's also partial, so she might be lying to me about stressing out. <laughs> but having a stranger just be like, yeah, you just need to chill the hell out. Like, that helped a lot. Mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, man, it sucks. I hate comments. I, I'm very, um, like, because, you know, I've been, I've been online for, like, eight years now. So, it's like, I'm very much against the... Uh, I don't know. This is it's toxic. I I but I don't really give a shit. It's I hate the just ignore them. It's like no, I'm gonna tell them to shut the fuck up and then I'm gonna block them. <laughs> like like um I'm trying to figure out the balance of uh like handling the hecklers. I think it just uh, depends on what my mood is that day. Yeah, um, and I try to do it from my personal YouTube channel account as opposed mm-hmm. to doing it on the kind of funny account. Um, yeah, because I don't think that looks great presentationally. Yeah, um, I think of like what an outsider might think if you see the official account fighting with somebody else. Like, I don't think that I think the optics of that don't look great unless it's uh, again, it's all a case by case basis. But if it's like the most irrational comment ever and we leave something that's like a good zinger burn that is yeah. funny then I'm yeah. cool with that. But for the most part, it is me going like, well, no, I'm not a, uh, I'm not an X-Bot because uh, I do like Sony games. And to the next yeah. person, I'm going, no, I'm not a Sony pony because I you know, remember I like all these Xbox games too. It's like, yeah. it's always just arguing the opposite side against people who think you lean one way or the other. Um, or, uh, yeah, or it's just like people bringing up old ass drama bullshit that it's like get a fucking life and move on like jesus christ dude yeah uh like the other day i had a comment from a jesus christ account so i was like that said we should get real jobs and like it was was jesus christ like on the youtube channel i was wondering what you meant so like so like i i replied with the brand account like fuck off jesus because it's it's funny (laughs) right so i screen capped it and then i deleted the comment for the twitter (laughs) post (laughs) <laughs> but then like when somebody like personally texts me i do the same thing i'll get on the my personal youtube account they're like hey don't come back yeah yeah <laughs> I, I'm, I feel like we're pretty good about that as well like if we if there are known bad actors just being like hey we're not for you anymore like bye yeah like, we don't we don't need you here and i i i find a lot of uh, i don't know i find a lot of peace in that to be able to like, I don't really even get mad at those comments anymore. I think I just kind of say, like, I may have gotten mad at this five years ago. Mm-hmm. And now I'm just like, you got to do anything else with your life, man. Like, yeah, please be, please contribute to society in a positive way. 
please like because you're just kind of wasting your time here um yeah you're we're making you unhappy and there's nothing that we can do to really change that um you're not happy with who we are anymore and you haven't been for five years for four years now yeah please go away you know um and at that point you just kind of got to make peace with it yeah leave me alone is like a a very good like i do the lol go away like <laughs> like just fucking go away you loser like you're you're a fucking loser right now and like there's no yeah. real other uh, sort of insult to call him it's just like you're being a loser right now man like just go go away you're 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 useless right now you're being useless yeah. to the world at large so please find a, a better use for your time yeah okay enough about the losers um mm-hmm. So I want to talk about your Twitch channel because, like, you, like, I I've just watched you grow. Like, you know, you you're on with kind of funny, right? But like, Twitch promotes you. You do um you do such a good job of taking your Twitch and then promoting it on Twitter, right? Um, have you felt like a lot of your Twitch growth has come from like posting those clips? Um, cause like your view counts on Twitter, are, like crazy. You got like 85,000 people or 85,000 views and stuff on your Twitch videos all the time. And, um, we take, I take cues from your Twitter feed as well, because you're, you're, you're so smart. You like even take it with, uh, the, the aspect ratio, right. To where it looks clean on a mm. Twitter timeline. Um, I don't know just what, how, how do you like, how do you grow? I, I think I, <laughs> on on Twitch. Um, I think I started noticing kind of the growth happen with my Mario Maker videos. Mm-hmm. Um, that was like kind of a big defining moment in what the streams are. Um, because before that, I I don't know. I still feel like I had a a, a voice and a thing that I would do, and people were coming for they would show up for the personality and maybe gameplay secondary. And I think that's kind of just been kind of funny in general. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it wasn't until those Mario maker streams that I started getting a lot of compliments from people that I didn't even know would watch my Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that says a lot about, because I, I watch a lot of people's like Twitch channels every once in a while. But like, yeah, the fact that uh, random people that I didn't even know use Twitch would be like, hey, man, those Mario Maker videos are hilarious. And mm-hmm. I was like, oh, damn, like this is I think I kind of have something here. And, and a lot of it was like, I don't know, I feel like I felt more confidence in posting those things because it was Ross of the Game Grumps who was making those Mario Maker levels. And he would make a bunch of levels, and I was like, oh, I'm a fan of Ross. Let me go play these levels. So I would tweet, yeah. hey, I'm playing Rubber Ross's level. Um, and I didn't know him personally at the time. Yeah. And then he sent his whole Twitter feed to my stream and was like, hey, I'm watching this guy I don't know, like, completely mauled and getting mad at these levels. It's funny. Let's watch him break down. Uh-huh. And... And that's where he and I kind of became friends and started to know each other from doing a lot of his levels. And from there, those like making those breakouts and it's a lot of extra work and shit. But I think yeah. it's really useful to show people that um, I I don't know, like I, I, I think people have this weird idea of what Twitch streaming can be. But if you see it in a video clip and if it makes you laugh, 
you understand that that is a that's a legitimate form of entertainment and mm -hmm. maybe i didn't think that watching people play games was maybe i thought that was a waste of time at one point why not just go watch the game play the game yourself or whatever but if a video clip makes you laugh it's like oh shit maybe i do want more of this maybe i kind of want to be in this community more uh oh he's playing that hard game now i gotta go see him get mad at that game and yeah. i think a lot of that just sort of it just sort of naturally um like snowballs into itself so yeah i had a um i think the mario maker stuff was kind of a big moment for me and then just mm. kind of doing all the stupid like cut out uh the masks and yeah stuff like, that. like i think doing all that stuff adds more personality onto it um and even if you aren't necessarily uh, i i love doing those those cut out things when i know that there are people watching that don't know the content Yes. Um, and it's my favorite thing to sort of surprise people um, and for them to go like, oh, shit, he does this, too. And it's like, you know, sure, some may think it's cringy, uh, but I yeah. think when people may have a general gist of who I am and what my personality is and um, like. I think I'm funny, like, obviously, I wouldn't feel it sounds cocky to say that, but like. There's I would, a, there's a I wouldn't feel there's a healthy degree it. of narcissism when it comes to content creation. You have you have to yeah yeah <laughs> I I wouldn't feel confident in doing it if I knew that people didn't laugh at it um, yeah and so yeah I don't know it's like it's just kind of been a really cool process to see the channel grow and to to get more recognition for the things that I put a lot of time and effort into because like I, it's it's a grind but it feels worth it at the end of the day when you get those really meaningful messages from people. And that's why I miss conventions, yeah. man. <laughs> oh yeah. I, I, yeah. It makes all of it's it crazy. It. <laughs> yeah. But it's, uh, it's hard as like a brand, like one of the biggest mistakes that I make is I compare our brand growth to like solo performers. It's like, man, Andy's growing and he's doing this. And then like, it's like to make those clips, it's, it's almost harder. Um, to like, cause when I look, when I look at your feed and everything you have going on, I'm like, dude, Andy is working at kind of funny, which like, like that's hard. That's a lot of work, like in a, in a creative role. Right. And you're growing your Twitch channel and you're doing your TikToks and, um, kind of funnies growing on other platforms on the talk and stuff. And you're cutting and curating an incredible like Twitter feed of your highlight content. It's like. Damn, Andy works. You have to work so much. Um, it's a lot of fucking work, and I think yeah. Um, I'm I'm not gonna try to sort of you know glorify that grind because I don't I don't think it's healthy. <laughs> yeah, but I was certainly doing a lot less of this when I had a girlfriend here in San Francisco, and when mm -hmm. I would uh, only stream during the week because I would be at her apartment on the weekends. Yeah, I was definitely doing a lot less of it um, and kind of like I saw it as like an opportunity to grow this side of the personal uh, the, of the personal stream side, because shout out to kind of funny and shout out to Tim and Greg and Nick for being like, hey, do whatever you want on the side. We're yeah. not going to take money from you. We're not going to do the thing where, you know, we're going to take a percentage from whatever your earnings are. Uh -huh. Do whatever you want. Like we would be hypocritical to do that because that's why we left IGN and we don't want you yeah. to feel that way. 
Um, and I think once I, once I had that, that breakup, um, about three and a half, four years ago now, I was like, I have a lot of free time now and I'm going to absolutely take advantage of this. And it's still a lot of work. Like I've, I've even, I'm still learning how to balance it because I still find myself during these streams at night being like, I got to end by 9.30 PM. I can't Mm -hmm. be ending at 10.30 because I take a while to wind down. I got to get that video. I got to kind of edit it in a way. I just don't like uploading the VODs. I like curating kind of the intros and making it quick and snappy to kind of make people laugh. And I'm Mm -hmm. very aware of like, all right, I'm hitting record now. I have this bit that I want to like make a joke about and try to make people laugh. So how can I make the intro of this video quick and snappy so that people can stay here for the longer VOD of it. And then I got to render that out and then I got to make a thumbnail for it. And then I got to put it on the YouTube channel and set when the ads are going to play. And I, uh, oh fuck, I didn't make the thumbnail. So I got, oh shit. Damn, what time is it? And it's scheduled. Oh shit. It's already 1.38 a.m. And I have to wake up at nine in the morning. (laughs) And you have to be up and you have to be on for the other guys yeah right and that's um, and that's the balance that's been really tough to figure and i'm still trying to figure it out but like mm-hmm. um it's been absolutely worth it to see um to see people at twitch really take notice and be like oh man like this this guy is uh fostering a community that because uh, you know we have friends that work at twitch and they know the community that kind of funny wants to build yeah, and they know that, you know, during the election we made that big sort of line in the sand, and we're like, yeah, that you know you can't really say that you're a fan of what we are and what we believe in if you also feel this other way, you know. So yeah. like, I, I think like the fact that a lot of the community knows who we are and what we want to be, and that I'm doing this on the side, and it's it's a grind, but it's definitely felt really worth it. Um, to sort of see those numbers go up, to see more people being interested, to see like there's never a better feeling than when somebody walks into the stream and says, Hey man, I saw your TikTok. Really funny stuff. Yeah. And I ask them where they're from and they're like, Oh, I don't even what's kind of funny. And it's like, oh, that's great. Yeah. That's I was just thing. about to I was just about to say it's like your your side gig is could also bring value to kind of funny. Mm-hmm. That's honestly, you know, me and the guys haven't really talked about personal channels too much. I remember when PETA came on, you know, he, he kind of talked about his Twitch channel and, and I was like, I think, I think you'll understand how exhausting our content is whenever you get here. Um, but that's kind of like, I think it's a really smart strategy. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of in a spot to where like we need the base infrastructure first before we can start doing separate channels and i don't i don't know it hasn't been a conversation with us at at all really um but i think it's because we stream so much and then you know all of us are married or have girlfriends no offense andy no Um, no, that's fine that's fine but like you know i think we're we're exhausted a lot of the time but um i always think about the wu-tang clan and like how you know uh like ODB and Redman, like uh, them all going out and doing solo albums makes the core like mm-hmm. stronger, right? Um, and that and they and, see the same thing too. Yeah, Tim and Greg absolutely see it that way. Of like that brings value back to us as well. Like you're yeah. you're 
we know that you are building a fan base outside of the typical kind of funny fan base. Mm -hmm. And that can all come back around to us as well. And um, I don't know, man, like it's, it's definitely be re it's been really awesome to to see the growth and to see that yeah. it matters to people um and the fact that people sit around at night going like hey man you going live tonight like that's mm -hmm. such a cool feeling um yeah and it immediately takes away all a lot of the doubt that i have when i because i i have those nights all the time and yeah i have the nights of um i'll pull up twitch and i'll start watching twitch and I was gonna go live, and it's it's six forty one p.m. And I was gonna go live, and suddenly it's eight fifty three, and I'm like, I guess I'm not going live. And uh -huh. I have those nights all the all the time. Like, is anybody gonna show up to watch me play this game? Um, yeah, it's a lot easier to have a game right now, like Elden Ring, where it's like I don't want to experience it without chat. Yeah, so that gives me a lot more reason to play it on stream. But there are a lot of games that um are just like a random single player game that it's like is anybody gonna want to watch this probably not right i probably shouldn't stream yeah <laughs> and it's yeah. so easy to have those doubts and it it constantly sort of fucks with me um i so yeah. yeah i mean even even as a company it's like we i i have a horde of games that i've saved for streams that will never ever get played yeah on the stream like my backlog i got um honestly like when i saw you play um uh, Ghost, when I saw you play Ghost Runner, I remember you booted up Ghost Runner and you were streaming to like 450 people, right? And um, I did the thing where I compared, but I just thought, man, I fucking wish we could, because if we if we booted up Ghost Runner, um, even like during regular schedule days, we would probably have like less than average viewership, which is fine. But like, I just remember thinking like, man, I, that's where I want our channel to be is just generally in a spot where we could play literally anything without without special alerts or costumes or anything. Just literally sit there and play a game like Ghost Runner, kind of under the radar, but really, really fucking sick, and just have everybody show up. So, I don't know. I think, just know that like you should be commended for... Cause, as a creator and knowing what that takes, like, like PETA's entire role is to take stuff we do and try to curate social video, right? Yeah. You're doing it alone for your own channel on top of what I'm assuming is more than a full-time job just from being in the biz, right? So, like, you have something really cool. Thanks. And, man. you know, I think just know that I look at your Twitter content and I'm like, Andy knows exactly what he's doing because I can only, I can genuinely only think of maybe five people that I've ever seen, um, like just organic growth from. Right. And yes, you could, people could attribute like your Twitch, your, your, uh, your Twitch growth to like kind of funny, but like, no, it's coming from your talks and your Twitter viewership or your Twitter posts yeah. and the virality of your creativity. And like, you're doing something that is impossible. Like talking to Twitch reps, I'm like, Hey, Twitch has a lot of UI and functionality issues and organic growth is absolutely trash. Twitch reps tell me 
to go to other platforms. Twitch reps tell me, get off of Twitch, go to YouTube, go to TikTok, post to Twitter, which to me is like the the most psychotic thing you could ever tell a creator <laughs> and partner on your platform. It's like, so you want me to go advocate other platforms that aren't you? Okay. But um, it's just a testimony to the impossibility of growing a channel. And um, I, I, yeah, man. Honestly, I think a lot of it, uh, like, if, if we, you could take one positive thing from what the pandemic has done on this planet, um, yeah, I think it made a lot of our audience more online uh, aware. Where yeah. before the pandemic hit, Games Daily was doing, I'd say around, about for anybody listening, uh, Kind of Funny Games Daily is our daily games industry news show. And... Um, before the pandemic hit, we were doing around like 750 to 800 ish. Mm -hmm. Sometimes lower, sometimes more, depending on the news day, depending on what if there was breaking news or whatever. But around like 800, it was like the high three digit uh, mark. And um, once we kind of went more to this online format with and work mm -hmm. from home, those numbers those numbers went up because people who at one point have maybe said. I don't watch Twitch streams. I don't watch people play games. Just naturally became more part of it because we turned our kind of company to have to do that because we yeah. couldn't be in a studio anymore. And also people going, when are they going back to the studio? I was like, what fuck the studio? We don't have a studio. <laughs> like, yeah. The amount of times like, well, not only were we building the new one, but the old one's gone, y'all. Like it's been gone. Sorry, you missed that Twitter post. You missed that video. Like the yeah. the old studio, the lease is up uh, on. So that's why we're still working from home. But like that turning, the audience kind of becoming more aware that online Twitch streaming is becoming more of a thing with this company, and people naturally wanting to be a part of that community, and then going, oh, Andy also streams. Yeah. Um, oh, Snowmag Mike also streams. And following individual channels just kind of becomes a natural thing. Because um, they can spend all day with you. Yeah. And, and before and the before pandemic or anything like that, I remember I had like a big sort of anxiety breaking point where, because um, I think like for the first year and a half, I was averaging maybe like 110, 120 viewers. Mm-hmm. Um, which is like still really good. Like I'm not trying to down talk those. Yeah, numbers. you're in the one percent if you're above fifty people. You know. Yeah, like, and then I remember streaming Destiny two on one of their big sort of expansion days, and I had like fifty viewers, and I was like, "Oof, what's wrong here?" And then I streamed Destiny two again, and I had like forty viewers, and I was like, mm -hmm. "Oh man, it's all crashing down. Nobody gives yeah. a shit about you, Andy." And I had like yeah. a big moment where I like I had like a freak out of, is 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 this a viable thing for me to do anymore? Um, but I think just naturally getting past, getting over that hill and not only trying to find games that people are interested in, but finding games that I can find content around. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, making those Twitter clips and TikTok and Instagram videos and, um, you know, having people show up because they saw my video on their Instagram discover feed. And it was like, a cool Call of Duty headshot, and I made a stupid joke afterwards. Like, it's it's stuff like that that I think can really bring people in. Because I've, I'll never be the best gamer, and I'll never be the funniest guy. But damn, if I'm gonna try to be both, like a, a yeah. little bit of both of them, you know. Yeah. Uh, I think like bringing some sort of video game skill and trying to make people laugh 
definitely has gone a long way with me and getting people into the community. Mm-hmm. Even your uh, even your bat joke the other day, where you had a clip of uh, you were looking over uh, a cliff on Elden Ring and <laughs> some oh, bat, the bat just the... hit me from behind. Yeah, you could see your whole fucking desk shake because you were just you <laughs> scared the shit out. Of <laughs> yeah, I can't remember what the joke was because it wasn't very good. Yeah, but it was uh, joke, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but I I laughed at my Twitter feed and and it was just like you know. Uh, it's a it's a treat. It's a nice little treat. But whenever you're playing, like I find myself, I'll 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 lurk in your streams when you're playing like weird fucking games, like the Hyper Light Drifter sequel or whatever that was, and Solar Ash. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, because I'm just like that's what interests me, especially like as a as a fellow streamer. It's like it's like how what is. How how is Andy getting so many people to watch this this game? And then you go in and you watch, and it's like it's because Andy's built a dedicated community that will watch him play anything. And it's like way to fucking go again. A you lot know? of a lot of it goes back to kind of funny though, where yeah, because um, that's that's not always the case. Like I think I had like a I, I finally like had a Twitch rep uh, meeting where I remember you telling me like that you had a Twitch rep. And I was like, oh, people have Twitch reps? What? Mm-hmm. And I finally had a meeting with somebody, and they were like, well, you average this amount of viewers, which is great. And I was like, well, like a lot of that is coming from raids and stuff, so keep that in mind. But um, when it comes to playing those weird off games, a lot of that comes from the nature of our job and podcasting about games and having the and having kind of funny games daily and games cast where we review games and i try to play a lot of smaller indie titles that are very yeah. me-ish games and then people go oh andy's streaming that new game let me see what that's all about and i yeah i think all of that kind of comes full circle where if if we didn't necessarily have a games talk show to give a platform to these smaller games i don't think the viewership would be there for some of those yeah. smaller titles that people would go, what the hell is this that he's playing right now? Yeah, because you also give insight to why you would even stream it in the first place, right? And so, you know, they they have an opportunity to... I mean, it's awesome. They, they, they have an opportunity to see why the hell you would talk about it on their favorite games podcast. Yeah, I, so. think, I think a lot of the people in the audience are also looking for like, is this a game I would play? Yeah. Um, Oh, you dig it? Oh, and you're also a fan of this? Well, that's great because I'm also a fan of what you're into. Maybe I don't like that game you're into, uh, so I won't try out this one, blah, blah, blah. Like People kind of find their reasons to try out the game that I'm trying. But I, I think whenever it's the smaller games that will likely never find an audience, I attribute that to, oh, these are the people trying to see if they want to buy it. These are the people yeah, that are good interested call. in the conversation. And when it's the rage-inducing games, it's like, oh, this is the Mario Maker audience. These are the people that loved watching me play Cuphead. These are the people that love mm-hmm. watching me play Dark Souls for the first time. And when it's the multiplayer games, oh, they're here to watch me and Snow Mike Mike do shit. They want, oh, Nick's yeah. here too? Oh, Daddy, Nick's here? Hell yeah. Like It becomes yeah. kind of like there's different audiences for different games that I play. And I recognize that. Like I'll When I play a Souls game, I know who I'm going to see. And it's yeah. a reason why I don't want to blow my Souls load. Uh, uh-huh. I keep telling people like, I don't want to stream all the Souls game back to back to back to back to back, and then yeah. have nothing else to do ever again. Like, yeah, I know you we're, all want me to play Dark Souls three for the first time. 
you're gonna you're gonna wait a yeah. while because like if i do all of it and then i'm gonna feel in the back of my mind my anxiety is gonna go but now they will be gone forever <laughs> and now it's nothing yeah <laughs> i think um like Peta, our uh, our newest hire like he dedicated shooter player big time right so like we ran him through bloodborne and it's like cool maybe in a couple of months we'll roll like demon souls then we'll roll dark souls one mm-hmm. and it's like i played kingdom hearts on the channel like a long time ago and i'd never played like any of them before so that was like a very good um viewer thing because it's such a beloved game so then grayson played kingdom hearts and like we spaced the playthroughs out because it's like i mean there is a time when we will have played everything like oh <laughs> or sure. that everything um like for so me it, for me i know in the back of my mind if i'm ever stressed out about viewership if i ever feel like i'm like the stream is performing badly play a scary game and yeah like i know that i know for a fact right now that i could be a lot more lucrative <laughs> uh-huh. if i played scary games because yeah. i know that that's what our, our audience knows that i hate scary shit they know i mm-hmm. i I won't even be on the podcast for in review for kind of funny where we watch like the conjuring movies. I won't do it. I don't like doing uh-huh. scary shit, but I know that if I were to ever play a scary game, people would show up big time for those. Yeah. And, uh, it's a testament to, I think how true do I am to myself that I don't do that <laughs> because like, yeah. I just, I'd rather not deal with the stress than, you know, have a big <laughs> subscription day that day. Like yeah. I, I'd rather just not deal with it. Like it's not, yeah. it's not worth it to me in that sense. Um, so yeah, I, I don't know. I feel like if I feel like whenever I tell chat that I try to just be as like upfront and honest with them as possible. Yeah. Um, and I feel like they generally will really appreciate that, um, that on that open and upfront honesty with them, you know? Yeah. We're we're kind of sellouts because in the complete opposite sense, we we monetize way to ruin our favorite games. <laughs> um, like we did Star Wars Week with Peta, but like for a hundred dollar tip, he would have to play Super Bombad Racing on PlayStation Two, <laughs> which is like the worst fucking Star Wars game ever. So like like every time, and we had like a roulette wheel where it was like every time we got hit a time extension, which is like you know y'all's monthly goals, we would spin the wheel. So he'd be mid in Revenge of the Sith on PS2. We'd get a time extension. He'd spin and he'd have to go play Bounty Hunter. And then, like, sometimes he'd spin and he'd get to land on Battlefront 2, which, like, he really, really wanted to play, like the old Battlefront. Mm -hmm. And so he'd go in, he'd get to the starting screen, and then somebody would hit him with a $100 tip, and he'd have to go play (laughs) Bombad Racing, which he is... And Pete, Pete, Pete is not very good at video games. Um, that aren't, I mean, he's super talented at like shooters and stuff, but it's like, he's, he, like we told him to press L3 the other day. He looked at the controller. It was incredible. Oh, wow. It was, it was, he goes, <laughs> it was so awesome. Do you think that's a, a product of him being so first person shooter focused? Cause like I've like, I, I've played apex and Valorant with PETA for like years, like uh-huh. off and on here and there, but like. Back yeah. in the day when it'd be like me, Fredo, and Peta playing some first-person shooter, I'd be like, God, he's so good, and I'm so bad yeah. at these games. He's he's ultra-competitive, which is incredible for a variety channel and not playing shooters. That's and we like, are gonna that's build like a... Fredo joining Achievement Hunter. It's very similar. Exactly. Yeah. 
Yes, yes. Um, but we are going to build like a bat. We are going to build like a bench style battle station in the new office. So we want we're going to do the multicam streams, but we want to be able to like high five each other yeah. and do laps around the office when we win and shit. So we will get back into BRs and Apex and you know maybe PUBG if Linception ever fixes it. Uh, <laughs> but um, just the and we not only do we monetize stuff by ruining stuff that we love we'll monetize stuff we hate <laughs> like you know um we did a stream like i hate arms i hate mumford and sons and so we did a stream one time where like arms and nintendo game arms and nintendo okay. game <laughs> yes so we did a stream one time where like i played arms and then i'd have to sing mumford and sons <laughs> songs karaoke like whenever they tipped um by the way one, yeah. of, one of the most freezing cold takes i've ever had like i thought arms was gonna be the next big thing that's like no like if, you did. if freezing cold takes of video games existed and i should probably make that twitter account right the fuck now <laughs> uh but if if the audience doesn't know what freezing cold takes is it's an account that will look back at people in the sports uh media side of the industry and they will retweet and screen capture old takes that did not age well so it'll always be uh -huh. like oh man uh like a recent one i saw was like cowboys draft pick micah parsons what a fucking terrible pick terrible uh -huh. awful awful draft and like he's immediately one yeah. of the best defensive players so that gets re retweeted and sort of aggregated and yeah on the podcast like i'll never forget talking about arms being like this is gonna be this is going to be Nintendo's Overwatch right here. <laughs> oh, I legitimately awesome. thought it was going to be Nintendo's Overwatch. And uh, yeah, that was whew, what a game that Nintendo's was Nintendo's about so quickly. Oh, yeah. God, I love that for you. Yeah. Um, so we're coming up on, it's pretty late into the podcast. I'm going to let you go here in a second. But I want to ask one more thing. Roll the Bones by Rush. Mm -hmm. Is that not the weirdest song in the history of musicians? Jack, relax. Get busy with busy the facts. With the facts. Come on! Zodiacs, oh. almanacs, <laughs> or radiacs, polyester, slacks with the facts. Gotta get that gluteus max. Oh my god, what a weird ass song. But it's great, dude. It's fucking great, oh. dude. Rush is Why the greatest band it? to ever exist. Rush is the I, greatest band to yeah. ever exist. Like the I, chorus, just the chorus alone. Like when you said Rush, I was like, I gotta get his roll to bones take. <laughs> Why does it happen? And then like I'm I'm like eleven listening to it in my uncle's pickup truck and I'm like, why does it happen? Does it and happen? he goes, Because it happens, roll the bone and I'm like, You motherfucker. It's like Neil Pert, he's a he's a poet, <laughs> rest in peace, Neil Pert. Like, man, the amount of times that I like would have pots and pans and cereal boxes surrounded myself pretending I'm Neil Pert on the rotating drum set. Best band of all time. Best band of all time. <laughs> Like, a a, like you're talking about a band that existed and thrived through all of the eras and if you haven't if you have any interest in music their documentary is still one of my favorite music documentaries i haven't of seen all it. time it is it's called beyond the lighted stage i think it's still on netflix and they talk uh, like the greatest moments of them like doing the commercial music thing and then they wrote um they made another album after that, and the record label was like, we're going to drop you if the next one doesn't do well, because this one isn't doing well. So you mm -hmm. all better get back to the commercial shit that you were doing earlier. And they were like, fuck that. We're going to write 2112. And it hit like a motherfucker. Mm -hmm. And at like 
the like they're on the documentary being like we're writing this album and I know it's not going to do well and I know that I'm going to go back to work with my dad at his card fucking repair shop we don't care I'm not going to conform and go back to your commercial shit we're going to write 2112 with a 12 minute song that is not radio friendly whatsoever and mm-hmm. it absolutely hit the, but the fact that they like lasted generations and then they yeah were they suddenly, survived they were a metal and grunge band. yeah like yeah they became like, a synthwave pop band they became a 90s rock band they were a 70s 80s progressive band it was like they did it all and they lasted the whole way and uh yeah it just rushes my favorite band of all time yeah i think uh yeah interesting kind of like podcast yeah, Rush is like if you don't know, Rush is like Queen, but for mortals. Uh, it's, 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 it's like if if you wanted Queen, but a little less weird. If you want uh, Queen, uh, I don't know. I think I should. If uh, I think that they are like a weirder Led Zeppelin. If you've ever wanted yeah. a song about uh, about Tolkien and Rivendell, like they've got it for you. If you want a song mm-hmm. about a robot who fucking escapes his robot camp that has a sort of story analogies to the Holocaust. Cause they grew up with that and had families in the Holocaust. Like you, they got that for you too. It's all sci-fi fantasy shit. It's the best shit of all time, dude. I, I want to say that you knowing the strange hip hop <laughs> break in roll of bones is, um, it's definitely the most impressed I've ever been with you and the happiest the CG ever been. was very impressive in that music video. Very good. I, I've never seen the I've never what? thought to, I have never thought to watch that music video. I'm gonna go do it right now. The music video is um, fantastic and really bad CG. It's fan, it's, okay. it's amazing. Okay, here we go. Uh, all right, so uh, thank you for joining us. Our last week we had Chelsea on to talk about the back end of the business. If you want to talk about uh, if you want to know about where uh, money goes and how we run our LLC and the importance of merchandise or unimportance of merchandise. Go check out that episode. Andy, I love you. Where can they find you? Uh, kind of funny games, kind of funny on YouTube. Uh, or just search for the Andy Cortez, kind of wherever you want to look. Twitch is Andy Cortez. There's no the on Twitch. I love you. Love Bye. you too, Bowling.